Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. We're continuing in this series here. Letters from my future self. Um, before we really dive into that part, I want to take you back to my childhood, back in the 1900s. Let that, let that sink in for a little bit. It's true, though. It's true. It just sounds really, really old when, it, when you say that. So back in the 1900s when I was a kid, we had some of the best TV shows. We had this thing called Imagination too. Because I remember when my sister was quite a bit older than me, so we had an old Pong game in our house. Y'all remember that? It had like two little knobs, and it was like two sticks. Boop, boop, boop. Y'all know what that is? Y'all were more deprived than me, evidently. But anyway, so we had Pong, but so we didn't play a lot of video games because that was lame as junk. It was just lame. And then all of a sudden, I come along. I'm the generation. um, I didn't have Atari. I guess I was probably old enough to do Atari, but I got the first Nintendo. So I played it some, but I was mostly in this space that we don't have much of out anymore. It's called Outdoors. You know, I was outdoors a lot when I was a kid. And me and my friends, whether we were outdoors or indoors, we would play these imaginary, whoa, hey, uh, all right, we need to shut that door, I think, because we get ready to have this fall on somebody's head. <laughs> Sorry. It's a sale. Uh, all right, so uh, anyway, so back where I was, okay? So we would play all these shows. We would play, uh, we would do all these things. We would play uh, the Dukes of Hazard. My dad had an old car. We'd go hood sliding across the car like Bo and, Duke, uh, Bo and Luke Duke. And then we would play, um, you might remember Miami Vice. Yeah, man, we would play Miami Vice. We would take turns being Crockett and Tubbs. And this is how much imagination we had. We would sneak into the kitchen and get a plastic Ziploc bag and put some sugar in it. If you know about Miami Vice, you know what I'm talking about. And we do the little pinky test. Oh, yeah, it's pure. It's pure. Get on the floor. You know, I mean, that kind of thing. It's a good thing at that point in my life I had not seen the movie Scarface or there had been sugar all over the room. That's all I'm going to say. Some of y'all get that. But anyway, I was just like, we played that. We played the A-team, man. We played the A-team. We did all kinds of stuff. My dad had an old car in the backyard. So, we, you know, we, like I said, we were sliding on the hood for that. He had a, uh, an old boat that really sat in the yard a lot. And so that was, you know, Miami Vice. We get in the boat or the A-team, you know, we need a boat. I mean, we just, I mean, imagine stuff. And so I was always dreaming of who I wanted to be who I wanted to be. You know, I wanted to be uh, Mr. T. I wanted to be Hannibal. I, I really wanted to be Murdoch because I could relate to him. He was kind of a crazy dude, or he at least acted crazy. Um, I wanted to be, you know, Sonny and um, uh, Ricardo. What was his name? I can't remember. Anyway, um, I, I used to want to be these guys, and I wanted to be these people. And you think about it, if we could go back in time, we've talked about this for a few weeks, about going back and writing a letter to our childhood self, you know, maybe our teenage self. It's like, if I could just go back and change the future for myself, I mean, I would do it in a heartbeat. And, you know, and a lot of you probably have lots of advice that you would share, but sadly, we can't do that. We can't do that unless quantum leap is true. Some of y'all don't know what Quantum Leap is. I'm I'm just trying to throw out old shows. All right, so unless we can time travel, but we can't, here's what we can do. We can change from here forward. We can change from here forward. And I bet most of us, if we could, 
write a letter to ourselves, one of the letters that we might write or one of the things that we would talk about in that letter is we would tell ourselves, find your identity. Find your identity. You know, more than ever, that phrase or that term is in the news and people question their identity on all so many levels. But even before all the hubbub and the things that we talk about when we think of identity today, when we go back, no matter how old or how young we are, we struggle, especially it seems like in our teen years, with our identity. Who are we? And the truth is this, the truth is this, I think a lot of us struggle even in through adulthood with our identity. Am I wrong? Some of us are willing to admit it, right? We struggle with our identity and who we really are, and it's easy to spend most of your growing up years trying to figure out your identity. As I said, our teenage years are often consumed by it, just trying to figure out who we are, and we'll, you know, we'll float around from group to group trying to fit in. Anybody else do that? You know, if you, you know, some of you might be in high school or middle school right now, but for those of us that already gone through that stage, did you try to float around and find your group? Or maybe you did at some other point, you went to another extreme. Instead of floating around from group to group, figuring out where you might fit in, you just picked an identity and said, this is going to be me. I'm going all in, even though I don't know nothing about it. You know, I mean, you did whatever, you know, you, you know, spiked your hair up, painted it purple, whatever, that's fine. But you know, you were like, even if that really wasn't you, it's like, I'm going to go for it and see if it sticks, right? We all have been there at some stage of our life. And for different ones, it's different things. But here's the truth. A lot of times we try to force ourselves like a square peg into a round hole. And I do know this, whether you've really struggled with identity or not, I know that the enemy loves to attack our identities more than anything else in this world. That's true. That's true whether you realize it or not. He wants to tear apart our identities. Matthew chapter 4 brings me a lot of comfort. Matthew chapter 4 is one of the recordings of Jesus going out into the desert to be tempted for 40 days. And you know why this brings me comfort? It brings me comfort because Jesus himself had to go through a test of his identity. So when I'm struggling or when I struggled in the past, when you're struggling, when you struggle in the past or when you are going to struggle in the future, you can know that Jesus went through it too. Amen? So let's look at this together. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to try to read quickly. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. That is one of the understatements of Scripture. Am I right? I go 40 minutes and I'm like, I'm hungry. 40 days and 40 nights. Verse 3. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Look at verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. I want to pause real quick just for a second. Do you notice what Satan has done both times he's tried to tempt Jesus? What has he done? He's quoted scripture. He's quoted scripture. And so I want to take that as a little reminder to us. You need to know your Bible. I need to know my Bible because the enemy knows the Bible. 
Now, he's going to take it and he's going to twist it. But if we don't know the Bible, we're going to be fooled by it. I mean, in, in the story of Adam and Eve, you know, at the very beginning of all things, when, when uh, Eve took the, the fruit and then Adam took the fruit, he used scripture or he called it into question. He used just a little bit. He twisted the truth. Many times he's not going to use outright lies because if you're half awake, you're going to catch it. But if you're half asleep, half awake, you might not catch little twists. All right, so he goes on. He, he says it again. He used the scripture. Verse 7, Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Verse 8, next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said, I will give it all to you if you kneel down and worship me. And I love what Jesus says in verse 10. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. There's a, a couple of ideas, two or three ideas I want us to get really, really quick here to sort of get our, our minds in the right frame of mind as we're thinking about identity. Here's, here's this next slide. Satan will question your identity and God's provision. Isn't that what he did in that very first temptation? He said, it's been 40 days and 40 nights, you're hungry. Just if, what did he say? If you're the son of God. He said, come on, are you really? And for us, we might think, oh, well, you know, Jesus was God, but he was also man. And so there had to be a little bit of this tension in him of whether knowing, but also wondering, am I crazy? You go without food for 40 days and 40 nights, you're going to be raw emotionally. You're going to be laid bare. And so he had this tension going on in him. And so he may have just been thinking, okay, I'm going to go ahead and squash this guy and just show him right now. But that wasn't God's plan. And so he said, if you're the son of God, take these stones, make them to become bread. Because he wants, just like he did for Jesus, he wants you and I to question your identity and God's provision. Have you ever seen that in your life? When Satan tries to call into question whether God's going to provide for you or not, yes, you have. That's most of our worries, right? Most of our worries are boiled down to that. Is God really going to provide and show up with my money, with my time, with my kids, with my health, with, with fill in the blank? We also will do this. He'll call in to question your identity and God's protection. He said, go ahead, throw yourself off what? If you're the son of God. Throw yourself off and he'll, he'll come and catch you, right? Just, you need to prove it. I don't, I'm not sure, Jesus, if you are the son of God. So let's just see. And Jesus said, nope, not going to fall for that. And here's the thing. If he questions your identity and God's provision, he'll question your identity and God's protection. And if he doesn't shake you then, guess what he likes to try next? If he can't shake your identity, he'll try to get you to trade it in for an easy path. Isn't that what he did? He knew, Jesus knew, well, he didn't know exactly, but Jesus knew where he was headed. He was headed toward the cross. And he just said, look, the simple path, now this had to be a temptation for Jesus. He knew the cross was coming. Satan didn't know the cross was coming, but he knew the cross was coming. And so it was a real temptation. He said, if you fall down and worship me, I will give you everything. And so that could have been the easy shortcut. How many times have you been aware of your identity and then traded it in for something cheap? Ain't no amen going on on that. Because it hurts, doesn't it? 
It hurts to admit that we know better and we still often trade our identity for an easier pathway. But God has never called us to easy. He's called us to be holy. He's called us not to be simple or take the simple way. He's called us to be his. And you and I need to understand that and stop trading in our birthright, trading in our identity for something cheap that rusts and crumbles and just blows away with the wind and leaves us heartbroken. So we start off with that. Have we realized and understood? Here's the truth. Jesus was God in the flesh, but he was also a man, as we said. And so those 40 days of fasting were to strip away everything and let him focus on the God aspect of himself. And I believe this morning you and I need to take a second. We need to pause. And we need to pause. And we need to strip away. And we need to see what we need to strip away or what we need to add if we're going to focus on who we truly are. Here's the first thing we need to do. You need to understand this truth. You find your identity in surrender. You find your identity in surrender. If you've been at church for a minute, it might be easy to sort of amen that. But then when it comes to like walking it out and living it out, it's a whole nother thing, right? Your identity is found in surrender. Jesus was the Savior, but as he began his ministry, he went through this time where all that stru- all his stuff, his human stuff was stripped away, his human strength was stripped away, and he had to rely on the strength of God the Father. He had to spend these moments before he began his ministry. And here's what I want us to understand. If you've already dozed off here, listen to this. You'll never find your identity until you accept your need for a savior. And some of you are like, wow, thanks for that. (laughs) I've been going to church for 20 years or whatever, or two months, and I know that. But do you know that? Because I've been going to church my entire life pretty much for the most part. Now, I strayed for a while, but I've been around church for almost my entire life. And I've been in ministry for even longer than some of the people in this room have been alive by a long shot. But I still forget that I need a Savior. I struggle with it. And so you'll never find your identity until you have a need for a Savior. When I was back in, uh, in college, I was at East Carolina University, and I've shared with guys many times before that I was pretty far from God for a while, and I was just kind of going off the deep end. And then I started getting serious about my faith. And what I was doing was I was really involved in this campus ministry, Campus Christian Fellowship at East Carolina, which, you know, we have Stephen Reed here who leads the one at NC State. So I was involved at the one at East Carolina back in the 19th. 1800s. And I was there and I started getting serious about my faith. But then I realized that God was calling me to something more. He was calling me to something more. And I was in, uh, I was dating this girl at the time. Don't, don't tell Sherry. Um, I, I didn't know her. I didn't know her at all. Um, but I was dating this girl, a, a great girl, dating her at this time. And she had just graduated from college the year before. She had a double major. I mean, she was on top of the world. She knew exactly what she wanted to do. And I was just sort of ranting and raving. I was at the bottom of the ladder. Even though I was living as a strong Christian, I was just depressed. I was discouraged because I was going on. And I said, you know, I, I've been through three years of college and I have no clue what I want to do with my life. And I went on and on and on. And I said, the only thing I ever want to do is be a youth minister. And I kept on talking. And she said, whoa, 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 what'd you say? And I was like, what are you talking about? I didn't even realize I said it. I was just word vomiting like I do most weeks. 
And she said, you said the only thing you ever wanted to do was be a youth minister. And I was like, really? And so that started this whole process. We started talking about that more. I reached out to my campus minister. I, I told him what I had sort of uncovered, and we started praying about it, and I decided to go and visit uh, a couple of Bible colleges. Well, I went to what was Roanoke Bible College, which now is Mid-Atlantic Christian University. I went there one weekend, never went and checked out another one, and not looking back. This past week, I forgot to, to mention it, on the 22nd, I believe it was Monday, was 23 years of me being ordained into ministry. 23 years. Praise God for that. But the reason I tell you all that is because I had to come to understand that, and it's a continual process, is that I had to surrender more and more and more. Now, here's the thing. Your story will not look exactly like mine. It will not look exactly like mine. But one of the things I've learned is that surrender looks different for everyone, but it has to be total no matter who you are. So for me, I really feel convinced and convicted that it was full-time ministry was what total surrender for me. That might not be the case for you in a sense, but you know what? Ministry is a call for you. All of us, if we're a Christian, are in ministry, and it may not be full-time preaching church planning ministry, but where you are, where you live, who you talk to, and how you talk to people is all ministry. And if you're going to follow Jesus, it's not partial surrender, it's total surrender. Actually, more like this, right? You have to get on your own cross, and you have to spend your own time. So you and I have to realize what we're doing. What we need to understand is this. My surrender might look different. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There has to be a trade of his life for ours. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Of the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Until you take on that new life, you'll never find your identity. Here's the next thing. Full contentment comes with truly knowing the depth of identity. You hear that? Full contentment comes with truly knowing the depth of identity. We're often satisfied with surface identity. You know, if you want to try to uh, mimic someone, you know, you, a lot of times you'll learn one particular phrase. You guys remember uh, the crocodile hunter? You remember him? You know, everybody wants to try to imitate the crocodile hunter. So you might learn one phase, one phrase. But then you don't learn any of his mannerisms. You don't learn it. You just learn these simple things. But a lot of us with our identity, that's all we want to do. We try to find the least amount that we portray. But what we're called to do is give our life to Jesus. A lot of times we say, well, I'm going to give this part of my life. And we think that's okay. And then sometimes we say, well, I'm going to live my life for God. But I'll tell you this, you'll never find full contentment until you realize it's not about living your life for God, but God living through you. That's hard to understand. That's hard to distinguish. And a lot of us stay stuck in that for many, many years. Oh, I'm going to live my life for God. And that's not bad, but it's not the fullness of what God's calling us to do. It's not us anymore. It's supposed to be him. It's supposed to be total surrender. Look at this. We have to understand this. It's not about doing, but about being. It's not about doing, but about being. Because what we do is we get caught up and say, well, I'm going to do more for God, I'm going to do more for God, I'm going to do more for God. But it's more about being His. Everybody hear that? 
It's more about being his. And if I could say this one little simple statement, if you don't gather anything else from this, I understand, but maybe, maybe hone in on this. You can do without being, but you cannot be without doing. You can do without being, and I'm going to fill in the blanks for you in case you didn't catch what I'm saying here. You can do Christian things without being a Christian, but you cannot be a Christian without doing Christian things. You cannot just say, I love Jesus, and not let it come out of your hands and your feet and your mouth. We have to do, but only because we are being a follower of Jesus. And the perfect example is Jesus. Mark chapter 10, verse 30, uh, 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Contentment will be fleeting unless you give your life away like Jesus did. He was the king of the universe, but yet he humbled himself and became a servant. Look at Mark chapter 8, verse 35. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses, what if everything, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Whatever, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. What if every interaction in your life was not to increase your standing or people's perception of you or to protect yourself or to watch out for yourself, but to point to Jesus? What if every purpose of your life was for that? But we know that's easier said than done, right? So to keep our identity centered on Christ, we must lose our life to save it. We have to lose our life to save it. You see, giving your life away is a secret for keeping an identity centered on Jesus because that's how Jesus lived. If you want to be more like Jesus, that's what you got to do. So we need to tell ourselves, I exist to add value to the lives of other people by pointing them to Jesus. That's why we exist. You know, when we control our identity or we try to control our identity, we're going to seek to find it in accomplishments. We're going to try to find our identity in accomplishments, what we can do. See, this is me. This is who I am. I've done all these things. Or sometimes we try to find our identity in our failures. This is all I am. I'm just a big mess. Woe is me. And we try to do that. Sometimes we try to find it in relationships, in money, in friendships. And here's the truth. We will be ruled by our emotions if that's what we're trying to do. If we're trying to find our identity in anything other than Jesus Christ and him crucified, then we will be ruled by our emotions and we will be crushed and, and pushed by whatever wave of life hits us. And you will die and you will live for the approval of others and you'll live in a constant state of defeat. You'll never win. But God has called us to a bigger purpose than ourselves. He's called us to find that purpose. And how we grow into discovering that purpose, who God has called us to become is this. We look at Jesus in, his, uh, in the desert before his ministry. We have to learn to trust how God sees us. How God sees us and trust who we are in him. 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 7. This isn't on your screen. Just listen. It says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. God gave us the ability to be strong through his Holy Spirit, and we rely on that of who we are. God gave his spirit that is able to help us, and we can choose to follow him and surrender everything to him. And so we can live up to that identity in Christ. So how do we grow into who God is calling us to be? How do we grow into who God's called us to be? Because it's one thing to talk about. It's one thing to say, yeah, I need to do that, but how do we do it? 
by simply saying yes to him every day. You guys remember that movie, Yes Man with Jim Carrey, where he had to say yes to everything and it kind of caused some chaos in his life? Well, that's the idea and the attitude that we need to have. We need to say yes to what Jesus is calling us to do. Now, we need to be true to Scripture and make sure we're following God's Word and not what somebody's saying God's Word is and test the spirits, but we need to learn to say yes to Jesus in everything that he calls us to do if we want to truly have our identity and grow into who he's calling us to be. Keep stretching your faith. Keep trying new things. I think sadly a lot of us are trapped in our past because of fear, because we became comfortable, even as we're trying to follow Jesus. But here's something we need to know. Comfort is the enemy of progress. Comfort is the enemy of progress. And I want you to read this along with me. Look at this. My growth and my comfort cannot coexist. If you want to grow and be more like Jesus, you cannot do it in your comfort zone. There is absolutely no way because we've got to learn to say yes to him and come out on the waters to step out of the boat and allow him to grow us and to shape us. So we try not to focus on what we accomplish, but on who we can become through the things that we follow Jesus in. Does that make sense? There's a fine line, but there's a distinction there that we need to make in our minds. Colossians 3, verse 9 and 10 says this, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. To be continually shaped into who he's called you to be, you have to say yes. You have to get out of the boat, and then guess what? you got to get out of another boat, and then another boat, and then another boat, and then you even have to get on a cross and die. Because you have to become what he's calling you to become. So we find our identity when we become more like him. When we allow him to chip away and chisel away the things that are not of him, the things that are of our flesh. It's not about what we want to do. But like John the Baptist said, I must decrease so he can increase. So the question is this morning, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? I get to do something really cool after church this morning. My son Josiah has decided to be baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of his sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, I told him, as we were talking about it, we've been talking about it off and on for quite a while, and he decided this was the time. He's ready. I said, well, you know what today is? It's the day of Pentecost. It's the day when we commemorate when the church was born. And so today, we're going to see at least one person buried with Christ and raised to walk in the newness of life. But just like on the day of Pentecost, I'd love to see more. Last week, we thought we had one, and guess what? We ended up having three. I'd love to see three more this week. But the question that you have to answer, that I have to answer before we ever make that decision, if that's the decision we need to make, is who do I want to become? It has to be less of me And actually, can I fix that? It has to be none of me. And we take on the life of Jesus.
and then you can start to understand who your identity is. Today, as we get ready to sing, if you have something that's standing in your way, I would encourage you to just let it go and run to Jesus. Run to the open arms of the Father. And we'd love to see you join Josiah in baptism. If that's what we're going to do, we're going to get everything packed up here and then we'll head that way. But we would love to see you and we'd love to see more people know their identity in Christ so this world could see Jesus through us. Let's stand this worship. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement MC.